The content here is for informational purposes only and should not be taken as medical advice. Please consult a healthcare professional with any medical questions and concerns. If you are experiencing an emergency or need immediate help, call 911. In no way does listening, reading, emailing, or interacting on social media with our content establish a therapeutic relationship. I just get so angry. It's hard to sit still. I don't want to be this way. My brain just feels all scrambled. Welcome to Scrambled. I'm your co-host, Nikki Shields, and this is episode 25, Taking Anxiety on the Road. And I'm Chad Douglas, and it seems, Nikki, every time I go on the road, I take a couple of bags of anxiety with me in the fact of a spouse and a child. <laughs> I don't Traveling. think you can call your spouse and child a bag. I, I, um, <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yes. I take lovely, um, expensive name brand baggage. How about that? <laughs> I, I think you might have to unpack that one later with your family. But for now, um, I Wait, Unpack I the luggage you. or unpack the... Okay, I'm confused. <laughs> but oh, yeah, so I, I travel with a couple of anxious folks. And, uh, you know, it's vacation season. Some of um, you, yourself included, have already taken your family vacation. I have not. Ours is later in the summer. So uh, this will be some good advice for me to take. But I also feel like I might have some good advice to offer parents as, as we've done this for years. And now that we know that my son has anxiety, it's become a lot easier because we now understand what it is and, and why he gets anxious. Yeah. And, and with traveling and anxiety, it's it's really like uh, same, same stuff, new place, right? So you're not, you know, we might be looking at vacation and thinking, oh, it's going to be so fun and we're going to be carefree and we're going to go to the beach or we're going to be in the mountains or we're going to go to a museum or whatever it is people do when they travel. But it's it's a beach and a mountain and a museum with your child who has anxiety. And those things mm -hmm. are no shinier to that child who might be having a hard time. And so a lot of times, um, you know, thinking about what you need to do in advance of the vacation to prepare your child depends on the type of anxiety that your child has. So if you're dealing with a kiddo with social anxiety, for example, mm -hmm. they're going to have a harder time on trips where spending time with other people or interacting with strangers or new people might be really hard for them. Um, another example of a trip that might be difficult for a child with social anxiety is if, you know, several family members are meeting and staying together in like a vacation house or something. And so cousins and other relatives that they aren't normally around, even though their family, kids with anxiety may have a hard time with all that contact with other people. So social anxiety is just one type. Um, if you have kids who have fear of doing new things, that's going to be a different type of problem. If you have kids who have specific phobias or fears of riding in the car or fears of flying or things like that, that can be really hard. If you've got kids who are fearful of germs or contamination, mm. that kind of thing, you know, can, can cause a whole different set of problems on a vacation. So our, our hope in this episode is to, to give you a few hints that would help kind of across the board and just give you some ideas to think about prior to any traveling you might do with your family. So Chad, tell us a little bit like when, when anxiety presents itself on your family trips, what does it look like? It's usually anger. Okay. Um, and sometimes it's unprovoked anger of like, where did that come from? Or maybe a little disrespect. And that's why it took a long time before we realized it was anxiety. And now we can talk to that problem because we know it's anxiety. But before I was like, dude, what, what, why, why are you talking to us like this? But now it's like, okay, he's anxious because we're in a crowd or we're in a, a, an enclosed space like the car, or we've been in the car for eight hours and he just needs a break. Yeah. So that's, that's with us. And I also kind of want to hit on, even though we did real early in the season is when we talk about anxious travelers, we're not talking about being nervous to travel. Some people are afraid to fly. They're a little nervous or skittish to fly, but anxiety is a whole different level 
of, of having that, whether you, you feel trapped because you're in the plane or if you have a fear of heights, it's different. If we could talk a little bit about the difference between nervousness, anxiousness, and fear. Yes. And, and we can, we can definitely break that down because I think there's a big difference between, you know, a specific fear of, well, I'll, I'll throw my husband under the bus. He does not like to fly. He, he just okay. has a general dislike of flying and, you know, not anxious in the other setting, but um, we start to talk about flying. Nope. Nope. Driving will be just fine. And so has, has he flown? Yes. Many, many times, many okay. times. Um, and, and only in adulthood has that fear developed. And so that's not the same as the kind of anxiety we're talking about for this episode though. Like he, he would need to do some things to, to get on a plane and, and feel safe in that situation. But we're talking about kiddos who are anxious about a variety of other things and that anxiety just kind of gets triggered by various experiences on a vacation. Another thing, Nikki, sorry not to interrupt, but is when you're traveling and since we're talking about airplanes and stuff, I've noticed, at least in my family with with a child with anxiety, time doesn't exist. He doesn't understand school starts at a certain time and we have to leave the house at a certain time to get to said school. So he's not tardy. Same thing when you're traveling, man. If you're in an airport, you got a flight to check. You've also got to be on your best behavior to go through security and you're running against the clock. It's like the uh, castaway movie with Tom Hanks where he's like, tick tock, tick tock. We got to get to places that just adds to the anxiety. So if you've got a kiddo who's already anxious about flying, being around people, doing something new. Now you've got that element of, of scheduling and, and getting to the gate on time, getting to the right gate on time. What happens if you don't get to the gate on time and now you've got a switch or you've got a delay? Now the parents are kind of like, you let us down to the wrong gate. So there's so much here to unpack. I don't know if we're gonna have enough uh, tape to do this. Tape. But that was a really good pun that I'm sure you intended unpacking when we're talking about traveling. So very good. Very good work. Sure. Um, so I, the first tip kind of it covers this in a variety of other situations, and that is to prepare your child for what to expect. So if you're going to drive for 12 hours on the road, if you're going to get on an airplane and travel for several hours to another part of the country, if you are going to be on a train, if you're going to, you know, whatever your method of traveling is prepare your child for that. And there are many ways to do it. One, okay. you know, if your child is super verbal and, you know, they can have a conversation with you about it, you can tell them what to expect. You can say, hey, we're going to go to the airport. We have to be there super early because we have to go through something called, you know, security. And we have to, you know, so you can break down those steps in that process and just in language that fits for them and is, is you know, makes sense to them. You can tell them what to expect and you can even say, and there's going to be parts you're going to be so bored. And that's why we're going to bring along our device or we're going to bring along our coloring books or whatever you do to, to keep your children entertained when they're bored, but um, preparing them for the unpleasant experiences. You can say, we might have to move really, really fast when we're at the airport because there's not a lot of time to get from one gate to the next. And so we're going to have to run and we have to listen really well to stay safe. And so those, you know, you can have those mm -hmm, preparatory mm -hmm. conversations and that can help. Now for some kids talking about it, they're either too young for that or they're going to tune out because they're bored with you already. Um, and so you, there's other options. So there are a ton of YouTube videos um, and children's books that talk about these kinds of things in a way that can make it relatable to kids. And so they might show a child, you know, what the inside of an airplane looks like or what mm -hmm. it's like to fly or just kind of walk through those processes. Another tool that you can use to prepare kids is something called a social story. Social stories are often used with children who have autism, but they have been found to be extremely helpful for children with anxiety too, um, because okay. they're basically visual pictures with words very explicitly describing what is going to happen. And so you can use a social story to describe all kinds of situations that kids might face. And, you know, so it's going to break it down and, and give you, you know, give that child very clear 
ideas about what's about to happen. And so social stories, if you, you know, you can, you can order them, they're, they're available online, you can um, create your own. Um, we've done that where we'll print out pictures of our own kids and kind of put those pictures along with the words and the verbiage that you want them to hear. So there's lots of ways to use a social story, but the idea is to have the child read it, read it to the child, go over it in advance and kind of help them get more comfortable with the idea of this thing that's about to happen. And so um, I think on the, in the show notes, I'll, I'll link uh, to a page about social stories so you can get a better idea nice. of the different ones that already exist or how to make your own or how to find them. Let's talk car rides now, depending on where you're going. Some a couple hours away are, are fine, maybe 5, 8, 10, 12, 18, 24 hours in a car. That's a lot for anybody. And then when you add the demon of anxiety on there, that's going to add a whole other level of unpleasantness potentially. Mm -hmm. Yes. And so depending on your child's age, um, preparation is another big piece. So, you know, letting them know. Uh, visual timers are a tool that I just absolutely mm -hmm. love. And I, I don't know if you're familiar, but it's like where you can see and you can download apps for this or they have like actual physical timers that you can purchase online. And if you just type in visual timer um, in any search bar for, you know, at Amazon or Walmart or whatever, they'll have that. Um, I've even seen them in, in catalogs um, that sell like gifts and things. So it's, it, it's easy to find a visual timer if you want one okay. and there are free downloads, um, but it's where you can see the time go down. So maybe it shows 45 minutes. So you see, you know, three quarters of a circle covered in red and, and you can say to the child when the red is gone, that means we're going to be there, but you can do them in different time increments. And so if it's an eight hour trip, you could feasibly set it up so that like, the red goes away. And by the time you get to the end of eight hours, you should be nearing your destination. So that's what's one thing you could do um, with kiddos. Um, other things, again, talking about it, taking lots of breaks, pit stops are important. You know, we always joke that like it's, it's an 18 hour drive, you know, but with kids it's 42 because yes. you have to cut more <laughs> and you have to pull over. I'm sorry, you, you said you, you joke about that? <laughs> well, that seems pretty realistic. I'm using air quotes when I say joke. It's pretty realistic. Yeah. If you have children in the car, add five hours for each child. Uh, and that ought to get you a pretty good estimate of how long it's going to take. But um, so something my mom did years ago uh, when we would go on road trips, she would pack little presents like she'd go to the dollar store or wherever and buy mm -hmm. inexpensive car safe activities. And she'd put labels on them that say, you know, two o'clock, second day on the road or, uh, you know, first day after lunch, you know. And so we knew we had this thing to look forward to. And it was usually something that would like entertain us for a period of time. Um, and it and it really did help. And I was an anxious kid. I don't know that my anxiety was any more visible or problematic uh, in traveling. Um, and so I don't think she was doing it because of that. But I do think it was a happy memory and something that I've tried to recreate with my kids from time to time. And so that might be something to help, you know, kind of anchor a child to, you know, that long day in the car. They know that every little bit, there's going to be something, you know, that they can look forward to. And that really helps. Talk about some, some things that don't work, Chad, like when you're in a long road trip with your family. <laughs> Traveling with children. <laughs> yeah. Okay. That might be, that might be where we're going Sorry. wrong. Captain obvious. <laughs> but what else, what has, what, what are some disasters that you faced? Um, I, I think, and to quote you from several previous episodes, it's check your own emotions at the door. Mm -hmm. Um, because to me, I'm always the one who drives. I've just always enjoyed driving. So I, that's what I do. So I'm trying to keep the car on the road, trying to keep everyone safe. And when I drive, I'm constantly looking around. Like I know what's happening around me. All right. So then when you get distractions of kids of, I need this, I need that. Can I have a napkin? I mean, my wife does great at 
making sure they're, they get all the stuff they need. But sometimes you're just like, I just need quiet because I got to concentrate because I'm now driving through a city with all these interstate interchanges that I don't, I'm not used to doing it because I live in a small town. So check your own emotions at the door. And I think understanding too, if you have a child with anxiety, I love when you said prepare for them. I hadn't even thought about that. Like, here's what to expect. That way they know what to expect. And then you can be like, oh, remember we talked about this and the next we're going, going to do this. So I think that's a great idea. I'm trying to think of things that, that just haven't worked. Um, one thing that did work for us before my son had the diagnosis, we traveled um, about five hours away with my wife's grandparents. And my son was not a great traveler when he was younger. And so I'm sitting there going like, oh my gosh, like this is going to be a horrible five hours. He was perfect. And so it was like traveling with somebody that he was familiar with, but not quite comfortable with to have a so-called meltdown. And ever since then, he was, he's been, you know, great. I mean, there's still occasion now it's, you know, his face is in his phone and we don't hear from him until we <laughs> have to stop to go to the bathroom. Um, so that helped us. I also like what you said about the countdown timer, because my daughter helps with that now that she can mm -hmm. somewhat tell time and she's not really an anxious person, at least yet that we know of. But, she, you know, after asking a thousand times, I'll be like, all right, just expect us to be there at X o'clock. And then she knows on her iPad, it's got the clock. So she's like, okay, we have this much, this much longer. What you said a second ago about um, devices and how, you know, they're yeah. older now. So they, you know, they can stare at that. We, we actually like are conscious about putting limits on device time during regular life so that when we're yeah. in restaurants or on road trips where we need them to stare at their screen, they actually think of it as like this huge, like they're liberated, they're free, they can do whatever they want. And, and on the most recent trip, at one point, I, I'm not going to say I screamed, Chad, but like, I definitely like elevated my voice a little, but I, I um, said, I need you to just stare blankly at your screens for another hour. That's all I need, you know? So it's, <laughs> <laughs> that's a time where screen time really, you know, prepare ahead of time, because if your child's device doesn't have Wi-Fi, like it needs Wi-Fi to operate, you want to have downloaded some things onto it yes. that they can use without internet, because that's annoying. That was a disaster we faced. Oh, we have an iPod. Oh, it does nothing without the internet. So plan ahead, download some things they're not, they don't, haven't seen or new movies or whatever. Um, if you have a vehicle that has one of those, you know, DVD player screens that mm -hmm. kind of comes down, that's fancy. Um, and the, the cool thing about right now, there's red boxes all over the country. So you can rent yeah. a movie in one city and return it in the next. And it doesn't cost very much. And it gives you the opportunity to kind of have different things to watch over time. So uh, screens are actually, I, I definitely recommend them on the car ride. But one little yeah. thing to throw on to that, because this is jumping way ahead, but when you get to your destination and your children have been sitting in the car for eight hours staring at the screen, they're going to be bananas. And so yeah. you just, you need to know that the first thing you do when you get wherever you're going or where you stop for the night or whatever, is they need activity. They need to move, they won't want to, but they need to move their bodies physically. And so you need to walk around the hotel or you need to run and jump or you need to do some crab walks or some bear walks or anything you can do to kind of really get their bodies like to catch up for all that sedentary time. Um, that's going to help with behavior and it's also going to help them to better re-regulate after a long day on the road. And see, that's hard because as the primary driver, I'm ready to crash because I've focused, uh -huh. laser focused on keeping the family safe. My wife has been focused on keeping the kids not entertained, but you know, with the stuff that they need, snacks and drinks and, mm -hmm. and whatnot. So she's ready to veg out. I'm ready to veg out and uh -huh. the kids need that attention. So that's, yeah. that's hard. That's so hard. And we, we actually dread the hotel. Like anytime, most of our trips are like a two day road trip. And, uh, that first night in the hotel, we just, ugh, we're filled with dread because we know they're going to be ready, you know, just, just wound up and we're going to be just ready to crash. And so we try to plan ahead. We, you know, they're too young to really 
you know, use a workout facility, but if they have one, mm. we might go in there and they're, they're getting big enough where they're not, you know, it's not a liability thing. So we might let them use the treadmill or, you know, just a few minutes. Um, but if the weather's good and it's, it's scenic in the area you're in, walking around can help. Um, but that's, that's important. And sometimes that's another place we have to tuck your own emotions aside sure. and just meet that need. Otherwise you're never going to get to go to sleep again anyway. <laughs> <laughs> if we had a recent trip and it wasn't a vacation, it was just like a, a, a trip to probably a soccer game or something. And we pull out of town and the kids are both in their devices and we get on the interstate and my wife pops her AirPods in and it's like, okay, <laughs> Spotify, 90s country, here we go, playlist. <laughs> Chad and Garth all the way to wherever we're going. Um, let's talk about, so device is fine. And we've talked in a previous episode too about what you just said about watching your devices is fine. What about turning the devices off in the car and doing the license plate game or mm -hmm. doing the alphabet game where it's like, look at the road signs and, and find your way through the alphabet and just enjoying what's around you. Except when you travel through the Midwest, it's, it can be kind of dull. It's, you have to really work hard at that. No, I think those kind of games are awesome. And if you're the parent who has the energy to engage your kids in that way, you are just going to be so much happier with their behavior. You know, kids who are feeling attention, enthusiasm coming from their parents, whatever the focus might be, are going to be happier and better. And they're, you know, if they have underlying anxiety or ADHD or any other diagnosis, that's only going to help. And so, um, you know, that's breaking it up. So like maybe the first hour you do that kind of thing and then you take a break, you know, and you're staring at screens for a little while and then maybe you do another activity, but it, you can almost make an agenda for like, here's things we can do in the car to kind of get us all okay. through this. And so this is, you know, what we're talking about right now is essentially like behavior management in a car and isn't specific to children with an anxiety diagnosis or any other right, diagnosis yeah, because true. it is just, I mean, my, my kids are, uh, 14 and almost 11. And we still have to like plan ahead and have a lot of strategies because mm -hmm. otherwise car trips are a nightmare for all of us. Um, something I've used, and again, this isn't specific to anxiety, but just a tip that we really liked is we put, um, clothespins up on the passenger side, uh, you know, mirror that flips up yeah. and down. Mm -hmm. And if at any time a child's behavior is, you know, kind of venturing outside of what would be expected in the car, you pull the clip down. And then when it's, when they're regulated again, you put the clip back up and then whoever's clips are clipped. When we stop to go to the bathroom or get a drink or whatever, can get something at the gas station. Right. Oh. And so it's a way you don't have to talk. There's no yelling or like reminding. It's just, if your clip is down and we stop, you're not eligible. Um, to get a snack. And so that can be kind of a bummer, but it's also a way for them to kind of internalize that. Yeah. And regulate piece. a little bit. Spoiler alert. You can also download apps for like license plate game and stuff too. So you can kind of marry the two devices and actually paying attention to the world around you at the same time. Yeah. All right, let's move on to destinations now. And mm -hmm. if you were to go to a place that in the world makes you happy, oh boy. And you've spent a good portion of money and things just aren't going well. Gorge, what do you do? Well, so you have to figure out what's at the heart of it. So, you know, take your your particular family dynamic, your child, and identify what the situation is. So, you know, if you have a child, again, it could be a social anxiety thing. If they're, you know, if they're struggling with being around people, how do we balance out all the people time, all the crowd time, all the the constant stimulation time with something that's a little more laid back, right? If the fear 
that they have or the anxiety that they have is more about, you know, if there's a kid who's afraid of swimming and you're at the beach, like this is going to be kind of a hard trip for everyone, right? Yeah. Um, other specific types of anxieties can surface on these kind of trips. Like some kids don't like to use the bathroom in public. You know, they're not comfortable using, you know, a, a sure. convenience store or a gas station bathroom or a bathroom in a restaurant or whatever. And, and if you're on the road for a week, you're, you're definitely having to use some public restrooms. And so planning ahead, you know, talking with them about that, they're, it's being aware, using empathy. Like, I know it's really, really hard, but you know, these bathrooms are here for us and you know, everybody needs to use them. And, and so I, I think, you know, that that's a harder one to walk through, but I think you need to know what your child's particular anxiety looks like and sort of anticipate the places where it's going to be toughest and then troubleshoot that. So, you know, if it is a bathroom thing, helping the child to find a bathroom they do feel safe and comfortable in. Um, if it's a social thing, you know, how to, how to balance out any social activities with quiet time um, and just, and just kind of building that in. If you've got a child who's super anxious about trying new things and your whole vacation is repelling and, you know, what, oh, what is it? Zip lining and, yeah. you know, surfing and doing all these activities. You, you, you have to know going in that, that this is probably not going to be their favorite memory. And so you want to, you want to sort of couch some, some downtime and some non-performance time in that to help them, you know, feel more confident and feel calmer. But don't you also want to push them? Mm-hmm. But so, so that's what I mean. It's like you blend it. So yeah, we're going to yeah. try new things and we're going to, we're going to stretch our wings a little bit. But when that's done, after you've tried that thing, we'll go do something that you choose. That's a little okay. bit more low key that, you know, cause you want them to re, you know, re-regulate and not be like on high alert the whole time. They're on trip. <laughs> so you don't want a zip line uh, from the top of Mount Rainier as a, as a, as an icebreaker of fear of heights or something. I mean, maybe take it easy. <laughs> Call that plan some, B. Get some skills in there uh, before you do that. But again, as I've always said, if they have the skills and the support, they can do anything, but absolutely. Um, make sure. All right, I'm going to, I'm going to give a tip that was given okay. to me by a friend who has a child with autism. And when he found out my son had a, a anxiety and social anxiety and being around crowds, he gave me, the, gave me this tip and it works really, really well. And it was at theme parks. They will accommodate you with, I'll call it like a social, emotional needs form. Go to guest relations and you walk in and say, my son has severe anxiety, social dis- uh, social anxiety. What can we do? And they will be able to help you. And, and the way it's worked for us is you get kind of a little pass. You go up to the gate where you would enter the ride and, and show them the slip. And then they will mm-hmm. say, come back at such and such time. We'll get you right on. So you come, you walk nice. up, you do the ride. So you don't have to sit there and wait in line because with a kid with social anxiety, being around a crowd, feeling trapped like you can't get out was not a good thing. And even mm-hmm. so much so we realized after the diagnosis, we would go to a place in our town that has like drive through Christmas lights. And every year we would go and he would have a meltdown in the middle of it when you can't get out. And then finally we realized it's like, because he feels trapped because there's yes. so many cars, we yes. can't get out. And so then it's like, we realized either don't do that or have a conversation with him ahead of time. Mm-hmm. And though you know, we can get out in an emergency. So that I think is a great tip. Um, if you're going to some sort of amusement park that they will do that for mm-hmm. kiddos who have certain disorders. Now you can't take advantage of it. I mean, you've got to be honest about it and not, not use it just to skip lines. That's not what it's designed for. That's an awesome tip. And I, I, I didn't ever think about that being, you know, something for anxious kiddos. I, yeah. I've heard of different accommodations in different places, but I think that's wonderful. And you mentioned the being able to escape or feeling trapped. I think that's a really important thing that we don't think a lot about. And, you know, cause like I know as an adult, when I walk into a space, I know where, you know, the nearest exit is. I know where the restroom mm-hmm. is. I, mm-hmm. you know, I'm, I'm gauging, you know, like who around does anybody look sketchy? Like that my brain right. just automatically scans my environment, looks for safety. And so if you have a child who's really anxious, 
you know, showing, hey, bathroom's right over there. And look, when we leave, we'll go out that door. Like for a child who might have a sense of any claustrophobia or a sense of feeling trapped or stuck, letting them know that. And then picking like where you sit in the car or where you sit at the, the table in a restaurant or, or that mm -hmm, kind of thing, mm -hmm. based on what they're going to feel most comfortable with is, is really important. And so again, it just goes back to knowing what your child needs to feel safe and figuring out how to bring that along on the trip. And so I'm a big fan of each of the kids in, in my house packs their own little tiny backpack of activities and fun things mm -hmm. and comfort items. And I don't care what's in it as long as it's not like perishable or live, you know, like, I don't, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like nothing that needs oxygen. We brought Mitzi with us. Oh, good. <laughs> oh no. Yeah. <laughs> but, but they, if they want to bring their security blanket, if they want to bring their special pillow or their stuffed, stuffed animal, animal or their, yeah. you know, it, that's okay with me, but they fill it with whatever they think they need on the trip. And I'm not a micromanager on what's in that bag. Um, and that has helped our kids, you know, to, to handle car trips and, and not be bored, but also just for safety and security purposes. So you have an anxious moment. You maybe have an explosion um, uh, within the family. How do you control the lead and move on so your vacation isn't ruined? Asking for a friend. <laughs> this is this is applicable to situations far beyond just vacation or traveling. Mm -hmm. um, if you have an ugly moment with your family, it is okay to do a couple of different things. You can have, okay, redo. That was ugly. We all did things we probably shouldn't have. We all feel yucky about it. Let's take a, a 10 minute breather and then we're going to redo that whole thing and try to do it better this time. And here's what I'm going to, you know, so as the parent, you own the moment and you go, yeah, that, that was mm -hmm. nobody liked that. That felt bad. So let's take a little breather. Let's, you know, five minutes, I'll turn the timer on and let's just breathe. We'll stay as calm as we can. Um, and then we're going to try that whole thing over again. So you can do redo. You can give everybody this space because most of the time, if there's a meltdown or an explosion of like strong emotions or behavior, once everybody's, you know, past that like heightened state and they've, they've de-escalated and they're back into the green zone, most of the time we can move forward. And I would say that that's, you know, 15 to 20 minutes later, everybody's probably doing a little bit better, even if you don't do anything, even if you don't take any action, everybody's going to kind of get past it and get back to it. But you can be more intentional with that. And you can say, oh, gosh, this is hard. Vacation is fun, but it's also a lot, isn't it? So, yeah. So we're going to need a minute to regroup. And then we're going to try that again, because we're here to have a good time. Right. And I know, you know, on our trip, again, grown kids, nobody with an anxiety disorder, except for maybe me. Um, we had to have several moments of just like, okay, pause, you know, this is, this is not the path. And I, I did a lot and I'm sure there was some eye rolling, but I did a lot of like, gosh, I'm so grateful that we have this opportunity. And just because we had an ugly moment back there doesn't mean that the trip is ruined. So let's, let's try again. Let's see if we can, you know, look for the sunny side of things and keep moving forward. And so a lot of it is just owning it as an adult and modeling like, Hey, that wasn't very fun you know, but I'm here to have a good time and I'm going to do the best I can to, to get myself back together. Does anyone want to join me? What if you have an adult in the family who that's just hard for them to get past and they hold a grudge and it just ruins the day again, asking for a friend. <laughs> I think I know this friend, but so <laughs> you might be acquainted with them. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think it, it really is kind of coming to terms with, you know, what are you feeling disappointed about? What expectation wasn't met? What hurts your feelings? 
you know, what made mm. you feel rejected? Like if you can tap into anytime we hold on to something like that and, and it really alters our mood, I think it's because it's hurt our feelings. It's, you know, an, an expectation wasn't met. We feel disappointed. Um, and, and I think if we can tap into that and, and look at that and go, okay, okay, we can get perspective when we can back up from it. And so, you know, when my kids act a fool in public or, you know, we have a really bad moment and I then like lose it. I am disappointed in myself. I'm disappointed in them. My feelings mm-hmm. are hurt because mm-hmm. I'm trying to be a good mom and they're making mm-hmm. it really hard. You know, like mm-hmm. I just kind of have this moment of parental self-pity and I have to be able to kind of own why I feel what I feel in that moment so that I can sort of unhook from it and move forward and, and regroup. And and I really think like we get just as stuck as they do. And that's okay, you know, but like we can model the process. I've even said, you know, I'm not ready to have fun yet. I'm still kind of stuck in in my head and I'm not ready to to laugh this off or move on to the next thing. And, you know, I think that that's okay. And I, and I, I think that it's good for our kids to see us acknowledge our stuckness because they're going to get stuck too, right? Sure. W- one tip I want to add in there, Nikki, is using your co-parent, if you're all traveling together, to your benefit or to their benefit. So if you start to see your partner escalate tell them like, I got this, you settle down. Don't talk to the child. Um, because in my family dynamic, one person's anxiety triggers the other person's anxiety, which triggers the anxiety. And it's just a, a vicious circle until somebody without mm-hmm. an abundance of anxiety steps in. It's like, all right, time out. And also use that for yourself. And there's been many times when I'm starting to feel it and I'll go to my wife and be like, I can't, you, it, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta do this. And tapping you in. Yeah. Yes. Tapping you in. So tap in, tap out your, your uh, co-parent there. Yes. And there is, I know we've had episodes about, you know, co-parenting and, and how challenging that is, but there's really nothing like a family vacation to challenge uh, your your communication skills with your spouse and your ability to like, you know, tag team stressful situations. And so, you know, we have a, we have a code we use at home that like, if one of us feels the other is, you know, maybe being a little aggressive in their verbiage or maybe not handling the situation in the best way. And we, we feel like maybe it's time for them to take a timeout instead mm-hmm. of undermining one another. We'll say, Hey, you know, mom, you have a phone call, you know, or dad, you have a phone call in the other room. Um, and as you know, I, as you can imagine, that's not always well received. That particular <laughs> message yeah. is, is annoying, but it, it is usually pretty right on. And, and both of us have vowed to never use it unless it is perfectly appropriate, and necessary and, and the right thing to do. And so when we get when we cue each other in that way, then that's that's a way we can support one another. And then it, it means we're going to have to have probably a hard conversation later. But um, it's a good way to kind of help protect our children from our ugly moments because, you know, we all have those. And so something like that when on a road trip, you you're both going to lose it. You're both going to be yeah. overtired and overstimulated and, and, you know, need to kind of communicate with one another about how to manage that. And that's where if you are traveling with relatives, that's nice because they can kind of help, you yeah. know, um, but it can also be hard too. Cause if you're traveling r- with relatives, they may not understand the particular challenges that you're facing with your anxious child. Sure. And so, you know, communicating ahead of time on that is really important as well. So yeah, I, you're, you're absolutely right. Just, just being able to lean on one another and kind of having a game plan for how you're going to handle that is the best way to navigate it. And you're together all of the time, long car ride, hotel room, fun park, skydiving, whatever you're doing, dolphin watching, you're together all of the time. You can't really take that time to yourself that you can at home. Yep. Yep. I think it was day two of this last trip and I, we got in the car and, you know, we're we're going along and he turned on um, Tom Petty and I was like, I think we should see other people. (laughs) 
Like I, <laughs> I was just kidding, of course, but like it just, I had reached the end of my Tom Petty rope and I, I needed, I needed something different. I think we switched to Bon Jovi or something after that, but, okay. but like it, it is, you're so right that we spend all that time together and there's no breaks and you know, you're, everything's out of sorts, everything's out of routine and we are all creatures of habit. And so when those things have to change, it is just really important that we check ourselves, that we work together, you know, be teammates mm-hmm. at a united front um, because an anxious child especially needs their parents to have it together in situations like this because so yeah. much about vacation can be unsettling or challenging for them. And that's a good point because we had a, an episode a while back that was called United We Stand, Divided We Fall. And it was talking about standing together as a parenting front and being on the same page. So if you haven't checked that one out, listen to that. I think myself, like Clark W. Griswold, plans these family vacations and I want it to be spectacular and it's fun and there's laughters and smiles and good video and pictures to take and everybody's singing zippity doodah out of our, well, I can't finish that quote, can I, from the movie, but it's not going to happen. I think you have to set realistic expectations and I'm kind of talking to myself out loud. Not everything's going to be perfect. So do you, do you just set the expectation low and just hope it gets better? Or how do you go into a vacation like that? I think you want, you're like a mid-level expectation. I mean, just a couple of, a couple of days before our last trip, I asked, are we like too excited about this trip? Is it possible that we're going to have a miserable time simply because we're, we're putting too much into it? And he was like, yeah, maybe we should probably check that. But I mean, you need to go into it knowing that there's going to be real crap moments. There's, there's going to be times that you just absolutely regret everything leading up to that point in time. But there's also going to be moments that are wonderful. And, but the average experience of the vacation is going to be somewhere in between where it's like, oh, that was nice, you know? So, so the goal, the win is if you have a lot of moments where you're like, that was nice, you know? And, and I would say to, you know, for parents like, basically, I think Chad is saying, keep the expectation reasonable, but also look for the joy in the little moments. And so I, mm. I think as my kids are getting a little older, it's, it's a little bit easier because it's not so chaotic now. But um, yeah. there was one evening on this trip where we ended up in this rooftop restaurant that overlooked the ocean. And as a happy little surprise, they had music bingo that night. And normally, I, you know, we've talked about this. I'm not a super big music person, although this is my second reference to music in one episode. So I must be Within growing. Like- yeah, like five minutes. Yes, yeah, short period of time. I'm growing. This is growth, okay? Um, but they had music bingo, and I would normally not have any interest in that whatsoever, but it ended up being just the nicest evening we had on that trip where the four hmm. of us were just working together on on our little bingo cards and listening to the songs, and they had a lot of, a wide range of music, and so some of it was from my era and some of it were from, you know, current times, which I know nothing about, and it was just, it was fun. But if I had been looking forward to this trip, no way in the world would I have thought, yeah. Gosh, our best moments will be at a music bingo game. You know, that, that wouldn't have thought, you know, but but pausing and going, this is really nice, you know, yeah. and being able to enjoy those quiet, everybody's working together kind of moments can make a difficult, stressful vacation just seem that much more positive. Yeah, the unplanned moment. Please tell me you won music bingo with a Tom Petty tune. Uh, you know what? There, there was some Tom Petty in it. We didn't mm-hmm. win. We didn't win. Oh. Uh, we played three rounds and um, I... I was able to help. I recognized some some Christina Aguilera, some Justin Timberlake. Like I was I was on, you know, but we did not win and it was unfortunate. And if I was your husband, I'd be like, we lost because you made me turn Tom Petty off. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm pretty sure he would agree. 
that I was maybe not so helpful in this game, but it, but we all won because we had a good time together and it was unexpected. And, you know, it was one of those, you know, sometimes with anxious kiddos, you don't want surprises, right? Like you want to try to avoid right. unnecessary surprises because they'll throw them off. But in this case, it was a quiet surprise, a quiet, happy surprise that really made for a nice evening. And um, there's two other things that I think it's important to, to be aware of or, or to think about when you're, when you're having a trip. And one of those is talking with your child in advance about like, what they want, what they expect, what, you know, so just kind of getting them to think about what it's going to be like. So you might ask them questions like, what are you looking forward to the most? What are you looking forward to the least, right? If, if, they're, mm. if they have the opportunity to tell you what they're not looking forward to, you have a pretty good idea of the types of moments that might be anxiety producing for them. Do you have any of your friends gone on vacation? What, 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 is, what is vacation supposed to be? What do you want to do? Um, what do you wish we wouldn't do? Have we, you know, if it's a place you've been to before, what did you like the most the last time we went there? If it's a brand new place, you know, what do you think it looks like? What do you think goes on in this place? So these questions it give your child the opportunity to do some like mental preparing. And it also gives you some great insight into what they're thinking about it. And if, if you carry that conversation on just one or two questions and just listen, you're going to mm -hmm. get a lot. And that's going to help you to be even more prepared and more aware of what they might be going through once, you know, once the trip gets started, you know, you don't have to explain, you know, have answers for them or, you know, or, take away their worries or anything like that. The key is just to get them talking about their experience and then kind of like file that away and be aware. And then the last tip that I would add to that is just whatever their feelings are, you know, just like we've talked about so many other times, respect that, like have empathy for it. Just because you are on the beach and you want to have a really good time doesn't mean that they're having a really good time, but you know, you, 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 there's no reason for an argument. Just acknowledge, no, you're having a hard time. This is new for you. You don't know what to expect. Those waves are really big. Those kinds of things can go a long way. So just empathy and respecting whatever it is they are experiencing. That shark is very big. It was. Um, <laughs> you saw a shark on your vacation. I did. Three of them. And I would just offer what is nothing to do with anxiety or anything take a lot of pictures and I'm always a big advocate for video. So you can kind of go back and I'll, I'll go once we go on vacation, I'll put together like a little 20 minute video with music of, of our time. And we, we did that when we went to Disney world a few years ago and we still bring it out every once in a while just to kind of relive the moments. However, that being said, don't live your life looking through your phone with the camera. Enjoy mm -hmm. those moments. Enjoy the music bingo kind of thing, but it doesn't hurt. It takes microseconds to, to snap a picture and just remember that memory because mm -hmm. you pay a lot of money for this and you go through a lot emotionally um, to have a vacation. And, and even if you have low expectations, <clears throat> enjoy, <laughs> enjoy the time and be mm -hmm. thankful you, you were allowed to take a vacation uh, with your family because it's That's... been a couple of years and that hasn't happened for a long time. Yeah. And, and, you only, and I, I mean, you get 18 years as a family with a vacation. And I remember um, as an adult, it was right after my wife and I got married the following year, my mom wanted a trip to Florida in a condo and we all went. It was my wife and I and then my parents and my brother and his family. And we got home and it was, you know, fun and exhausting and everything. And, and the next day I realized I'm like, gosh, this could have been my last family vacation with that. And it, it ended up being but I was kind of thankful that I was able to acknowledge that at that time and kind of appreciate a little bit more that that, mm -hmm. that just wasn't going to happen again. Yeah. And, and I think that is so important. It's just just even if you struggle, like remembering as cliche as this may sound, the struggle is part of your journey. The struggle is part of mm -hmm. what, you know, builds strength for your child. And so some, even if they're facing, you know, some really tough moments on on a trip, they're still developing memories around that and they're still developing strengths around that. And so that's important. And, and hopefully you don't end up on an episode of Dr. Phil in the future that they're, they're good memories that you're getting. <laughs> 
That would be ideal. That would be super <laughs> ideal. I, one last thought on, you know, ways to ways to help your anxious kiddo navigate family traveling during the summer or any other time of the year is just really teach them to expect the unexpected. Now that probably seems counterintuitive because anxious kids are already sort of expecting, you know, bad things to happen or they're kind of looking for the bad. But if we can kind of teach a mindset of, you know what, we're going to go on this trip and some stuff we don't want to happen is going to happen. And it's okay. Cause we're going to handle it and we're going to roll with it. And I, I remember uh, we had a trip where we came out of the hotel one morning, get load up and get back on the road. And somebody had backed into our rented minivan uh... and dinged it all up. And, you know, and I just remember being like, well, that's annoying, but we're still on vacation and we'll deal with it. And, you know, and so like it, it, it was such a <laughs> such an unusual response for me to be so chill about it. Yeah. And I noticed that, you know, that kind of impacted the kids, too. They, you know, they weren't shook up about it. And then later on in that same trip, something else mildly, you know, bothersome, but like unexpected happened. And, and one of the kids was like, that's OK. We're still on vacation. No big deal. Yeah, and so cool. I just I think our responses to those things make a big difference. And especially if you've got an anxious child, that child is looking to you to know if they are safe or not. And at the heart of their anxiety disorder is uh, the fear of being unsafe or not feeling in control. And so if you are behaving in a way that suggests they are not safe or that you're not in control, then that's going to ramp their symptoms up. And so being in check with that and modeling, you know, safe, protective behavior as much as you can is going to help. Well, that's going to do it for episode 25. Um, again, remind you that we're on Facebook. You can interact with us there. We also have a website, scrambledpodcast.com. We do ask that you rate and review this podcast if you like it, and you can also share it with others. Uh, but those ratings and reviews help us kind of move up the podcast charts, gets more eyes and I guess more specifically ears on the podcast. And that's what we're all about is starting that conversation. Our next episode is going to kind of go off that safety stuff. We're going to kick off a little small series on back to school, and we're going to specifically talk about new school buildings. You got a kiddo going to preschool for the first time that might be anxious, kindergarten, uh, junior high, high school, even college, just different atmospheres, different buildings. And again, with a kid with anxiety, that's kind of amplified. So we're going to talk about, uh, make sure they're aware of that and they are staying safe. Our goal in starting this uh, podcast was to start a conversation. We feel we've started it and that continues with you. 